a little bit of a zag this morning. Aaron Judge stays with the Yankees. It was a little bit of buzz building us. I got to admit, I'm a little sour because so much of my line of questioning for John Morosi at 10 o'clock today was about Yankees ripple effects and Aaron Judge ripple effects around baseball and how that was going to operate. Now it's dead. That's over now. So, so much for that. I guess I'll just ask him about the stupid Blue Jays and what the <laughs> stupid idiot Blue Jays are going to do. Um, this is a weird one because... It's good and bad for the Blue Jays that Aaron Judge stayed, right? It's bad that a good player is staying in the division, a guy who's an MVP caliber bat, fielder, whatever. I also do like it. I like that the Yankees mean more than the Giants. Um, I think I'm a bit of a... I'm not a sports snob in the sense of I care whether or not people know about sports, right? Like I'm never that person who goes, oh yeah, you know about the Leafs? Name mm. this person's not like that. Like gatekeeping sports almost. So lame, so yeah. lame. Okay. Whatever, my favorite thing about sports is that it is for everybody. Yeah, World it's, Cup, prime example. Dude, it's just the easiest thing. I've said this a million times, but I think the reason that I like sports is because it was something I could talk to my parents and my grandparents about. Mm-hmm. And I was a little kid. And they would listen to what I had to say about it. Mm-hmm. And I went, that's pretty cool. I'm going to keep doing this. How, the amount of conversations I've had with different people that I were strangers to me through sports has been astounding. If I went through my life and I looked at that, it would be great. Mm-hmm. And I love having conversations. I've, I'm telling you, some of the smartest, most profound thoughts I've had on sports have often come from just listening to... You know, people chop it up at a bar or on the train or somebody that doesn't really watch too much sports asking me a question about something and then you kind of see through the thicket anyway. Mm. That's all. That was kind of a little preachy. But anyway, <laughs> um, I am a sports snob in the sense of I like the big markets and mm-hmm. I think it's super lame when guys go from big spots under the spotlight and then they go play, they say. Like Johnny Goudreau. That's like, exactly what I was just thinking of. Yeah. And, he, and it, people go, it's for his family. I go, sure. Fine. Dude, his family's in New Jersey. Come on. I was like, fine, Johnny. <laughs> go, fine, Go to dude. Ohio. Ex- exactly. What I love is the man who canceled on the show last minute yesterday. Kind of hurt my feelings. Thought he was a friend of the show. Thought he was a pal. Maybe we'll figure it out next week. But uh, Nazem Kadri was supposed to come on. And yeah, last minute was like, I can't do it. All right, Naz. Fine. Again, I'm a little grumpy today. <laughs> but I love it when guys like Kadri go, yeah, I'll come back to Canada. I yeah. love playing in Canada. What? Sorry? Calgary? Everyone's pissed? Everything's burning down? Everybody feels like they got to salt the earth around the franchise because Connor McDavid just put us in the grave? I'll go there. I'll mm-hmm. feel the heat. Let's do this thing. So for Aaron Judge to stay, I think that's great. I think that's cool for baseball. Um, as someone who enjoys the sport immensely, I like having the relevant players that people know play for the teams that people care about. I mm-hmm. like the idea of going to the ballpark and seeing Aaron Judge like I did. You, That's still a crushing defeat for you that early in the show's iteration, I could only take one of you to yeah. uh, primetime seats at the yep. Aaron Judge game, and, and then it turned out to be Pete. You pull the name out of a hat. 
Yeah, I did. And it was Pete. It was Pete. After I said, I'll go, and Pete was like, go ahead, Joe. And then he folded him out of the hat. But I told you, that's the way to actually, had I really been doing it without, like, the hat saved you. That's because true, you true. jumped and went, I'll go first. And then he did the, it's fine, Joe. You well, go. I think I Which, offered it to Pete first. Yeah, and then okay. he was like, no, go ahead. I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Revisionist history, Joe. Revisionist I'll, I'll scroll history. up yeah. in the chat and go look <laughs> yeah, for it. I'm, I'll, just I'll saying, sp- I'm just saying, the guy who sacrifices is always the one who I lean towards and say, you are now chosen. Anyway, Judge Stang <laughs> is cool for the Yankees. It's cool for baseball. That's all good. Bad for the Jays from a competitive standpoint. But also good for the Jays because had Aaron Judge left... I think the Yankees would have gotten pretty hot for Brandon Nimmo. Mm-hmm. And now, here's my guess. We're going to have Morosi on at 10 o'clock. This is just logic. This is just me guessing. This is obviously no report. I haven't asked anybody about this. I have sent out a bunch of texts trying to get feelers about the Jays, but this is not related to any of them. Um, I would guess that Judge being off the board now will expedite things for Nimmo because he's going, all right, now that domino has fallen, the Yankees are out of the mix for me. Who knows if the Giants want to push in for Nimmo? I, I don't get the sense that's it. If I'm the Giants, the pivot is to something else. You're not saying, oh, we just need outfield help. They already did that to a certain degree. They did that yesterday with the three-year deal to Mitch Haniger. So, yeah, I don't, I don't really get that read. But my guess is that's good for the Blue Jays in terms of their quest for Brandon Nimmo, who, according to Scott Boris, the Borcore man, that's the Jays' primary objective. Atkins is out here saying the only thing that they want, that they need to have, is starting pitching. And Scott Boris just sits down with our boy Ben Nicholson-Smith and our girl Hazel May, and he says, yeah, those guys are liars. <laughs> <laughs> those guys are liars who lie. They just want outfielders right now. Do they want starting pitching? Absolutely. Um, but would they like to add outfield ahead of that through free agency. Yeah, that seems pretty clear. Okay, so anyway, here's where I'm at with the Jays yesterday uh, before we get into some of the Leaf stuff because nice little tidy win. Big night for Matt Murray. Big night for the the young blue liners. Couple of guys. The young Swedes did their thing. Anyway, um, I am on record of not really loving this free agent class for the Jays. I get that people would... I'm just preempting this because people would be going, wait a second, you just said all week you don't want Cody Bellinger, you don't want Andrew Heaney, and now you're going to cry about the Jays missing out on those guys? No, 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 I'm not going to cry. <laughs> right? I'm not going to cry. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't love this free agent class. I like Nimmo, but I'm not, I'm not a Nimmo maniac like... Annis, who just sees Nimmo take walks and freaks out like <laughs> the Beatles first came to America. That's Annis watching Brandon Nimmo draw a walk. He's on base. He flips out. He screams and he passes out into the arms of the other Nimmo maniac that's standing behind him. I'm all right about it. It's fine. He's good on base and he's what the team needs to a degree. But yeah, there, there are some signs of decline. And for a guy who hasn't been able to stay healthy, putting him out in center field at the Rogers Center, to me, seems like it eh, could go not so great. And having two outfielders who get hurt a lot, actually, I should say three, because right now Lourdes is there too. So that's like three guys who get hurt and then no depth as of right now. It's just not, yeah, there's, there's some trepidation on my end, especially when we're talking about going over the $100 million mark for this mm-hmm. guy, which seems to be the case. Okay, so... That's all good. That's all fine. Whatever. If they get Nimmo, that's great. That's going to be the coup de grace. That's going to be the the cherry of the Jays offseason. Yeah. That's how that's going to be. Very, all, all, more likely than not. 
Maybe they shop a catcher and it brings in an outfielder and that's the way they do this thing, but it's pretty clear they need to address that position. They're not going to the season losing Teoscar Hernandez. They needed multiple outfielders. I don't care about Andrini. I don't like Cody Bellinger, but the Jays like these players and the Jays have struck out on a lot of people so far. And word is that they offered Andrew Heaney more money and he went down to the Rangers. And yeah, more money is, it's, it's hard to define what more money is when there's the Texas tax laws. Mm-hmm. So maybe Heaney is getting a better, maybe he does want to be in the States. I don't know what, whatever the hell it is. This is kind of the point I was driving out with Ennis yesterday, which is, Hey, um, I don't know if other people around baseball view the Jays as close to a world series as some of us had hoped they would be, which would help them as being an attractive destination for free agents. Mm-hmm. So they've got some money, but not the most money. They've got some, they've got what, 20 to $30 million to spend down a free agency. And some of the guys that they've been linked to and that they've clearly liked the Heenies, the Bellingers, like Verlander was always a long shot, but they were in on that and they really wanted him. Some of these dudes are coming off the board, and now you're looking at this and saying, okay, well, J.D., who cares? Those guys suck. And I said, I kind of agree, okay? Who cares? The options are shrinking, and the tiers below that only suck more. So where do you go from here? Because this is the issue with the Blue Jays offseason. They need to hit on somebody in free agency, and it's really starting to feel like all the chips are in on Nimmo because what happens if you miss on him? What, what exactly become the options for the Toronto Blue Jays? This is, again, a team that needs multiple options. They've been uh, rumored to Brian Reynolds right, lately, right? And I'm going to talk to Morosi about this, but it's amazing to me that all of a sudden Brian Reynolds like completely sucks. Everybody hates him. <laughs> Everybody hates his guts. All I've seen about Brian Reynolds is the same clip on Twitter for the last three days of him dropping a ball in the outfield. That's all he did last year. That's all he did last year for the Pirates. I'm also not a fan of building your team around crappy franchises like the cast offs from crappy franchises that's generally a, a rule of mine anyway um yeah especially the pittsburgh pirates <laughs> anyway um they don't have a ton of things to trade did you see the rumors for brian reynolds guys did you see what the pieces were that the pirates were asking for in return mark boffo knows is ricky tiedemann oh, ricky or is it Elvis martinez okay so the, that's what two of the blue jays top three prospects like mm-hmm. It seems anyways that they don't want to move off of Gabriel Moreno, that they want to keep him, they want to keep Kirk, and that Danny Jansen appears to be the odd man out. All underrated Danny Jansen. Okay, so you have a catcher that you can deal, one of the three from the surplus position. Got it. Check. And then what? You have Aralvis Martinez and Ricky Tiedemann, who this organization seems dead set on not trading. So he's like sneakily off the board too. So you have a Elvis Martinez, who actually might be really good, who might actually be someone that you don't want to trade, but this team is in win now. So you can move prospects and prospects are prospects and people who clutch at them is it's the lamest thing you can do as a baseball fan in five years from now, that guy might hit 240. Okay, that's fine. I'm, I might be dead by then, so I'm good with it. I want to live in the now, and that now includes trying to win with this core that's a pretty damn good baseball team. Anyway, it's just the pitching market is starting to dry up a little bit here. The outfield market is starting to shrink a little bit, and the Jays don't have the luxury of just being able to go into the prospect pile and make this thing work. So, uh, again, things are starting to tighten up. You miss out on the Heenies. You miss out on the Bellingers. That's good depth for this team that you thought you might have had a week ago. Now you've got a downshift to some different options and 
Just not as attractive to me. Anyway, Leafs stars last night. Leafs get a big W. Matt Murray gets the shutout. Looks like a monster in there. There's some stat that's floating around about how it's the greatest shutout of all time. It's the highest expected goals in a shutout. Yeah. That has resulted in a shutout. This is me. You guys pass me that piece of paper and I'll just crumple that sucker <laughs> up and I just try to Kobe it into the weight basket. It was a nice performance by Matt. There's no, I'm not trying to take anything away from him. But to me, the most impressive thing about him is that he's just making the saves that he needs to make. This has been the the discussion that we had with Kevin Woodley over and over again is Mm -hmm. that's what this guy grades out well at. Hasn't let in a bad goal. Yeah, hasn't let in a bad goal. And that's what the Leafs need because that is what's killed them in the past. Anyways, it's hard not to get overly excited about the way that this franchise or the way that this goaltending has looked and the way that Matt Murray has looked. His worst game happened to be against the Lightning, unless you count the first game of the year against the Canadians, which we're kind of counting less these days. Mm-hmm. Should just be expunged from the record. That should just basically be his his juvenile record. Yeah. Gone. Yeah, you were under 18. It's the mulligan. Gone. It's the mulligan. That's gone. You can't see that. Murray was great. I was really impressed with the Leafs' young blue liners. They had mm-hmm. to step up and play a ton of ice time, Lilligren and Sandine. I thought they fared pretty well. Leafs looked tiny last night, though. Logan and Sandine are playing the most minutes they've ever played in yep. the NHL. Logan, yep. 26 minutes. And they look good. They look Logan looked good. a little bit physical. Sandine was snapping around, gets a goal, has a big moment on the penalty kill. Nice one. Anyway, we did a full breakdown on Leafs talk. Sam McKee and I last night, Sammy was going on long. I wanted to go to bed. He was into minute 35, and I went, this is supposed to be a 25-minute podcast. Right? We're 10 minutes <laughs> over. It was an 8.30 start. Anyway, Haley Salvian, National NHL writer at The Athletic, Hockey Central, Sportsnet 960. I'm always nervous about getting that right. Uh, what's up, Haley? How are we doing? I'm good. Thank you. You're, you're well? Yes. Doing great. You stay up and watch the whole game? Yes. Yeah. Had a girl. And then I watched the late games, too. That's too much. Uh, ducks, canes. Yeah. You really felt uh, like you needed to see Ducks Canes, eh? You thought, uh, okay, you know, okay, without okay. this, then so, how will I know what's happening in the league? Okay, but. I've been tracking mm-hmm. Anaheim Ducks Gross. regulation win. <laughs> they have won one game in regulation. I was going to say, they got that, right? It just makes me really sad. Yeah. Uh, I think I tweeted about it last night. It was like midnight. I was like, I'm watching the Ducks and I'm very, very sad. And everyone's like, are you okay? Yeah. No, you're not. That's, no. that's too much. That, no. That's, I got to tell you, that's not a good enough reason to bed. watch them is to say, but they're so bad that they never win. So I want to see them because they're sad. And that's yeah. you staying up till one o'clock in the morning. Um, There's no need for that. How many fans are out there? I don't know. Yeah, it's tough that they're they not put... Doing, their, their attendance is okay. Oh. I, I'm actually working on an attendance story mm. at The Athletic right now, and, and they're, I can say that they're not one of the biggest drop-offs in the league in terms of attendance and capacity percentage, so... Who's the biggest percentage right. drop-off? I'm not going to say that. The story's not out yet. Wow, you won't just, like, tease part of it here? It's just a big reveal? No, that's the that's whole the point of the story. The whole point no. of the drum roll is to... Or the whole point of the story is to explain why they've had the drop-off. That's what I want to know. No, that's the no. interesting part, not just the raw numbers. Anyway, so I mean, you'll get a bit of both, but mm. you can wait until the story's posted. I texted you. I didn't see your response. Um, yeah, you I think I respond. said, "What are you talking?" About? No, 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 no. But I asked you if did you cover Matt Murray when you were in Ottawa, or did you leave? I did. And so you were there, okay? So yeah. how different is this guy from the the one that you first saw when he arrived in Ottawa? Um, well, it is it is really different because when he first got there, obviously, um, there was a huge delay. So I was still in Ottawa in the pandemic, and I think it was like a Zoom introduction call 
uh, when they first traded for him. And I think the big question with uh, acquiring Matt Murray, I mean, obviously the contract they signed him to was uh, a monster Mm -hmm. contract for a goalie in the league. Um, And like the big question was, which version of Matt Murray are the Ottawa Senators going to get, right? Are they going to get the Stanley Cup winning um, lights out goalie from from Pittsburgh from a couple years ago? Or are they getting the sub 900 um, guy who has a problem with his glove hand, who sinks back into his net too much? Like, are we getting the guy that the book's kind of starting to come out on? Or is there going to be a rejuvenated number one starter, Matt Murray? Uh, and obviously we know which version the Ottawa Senators ended up getting um, because he he didn't play a lot. I mean, he didn't win a ton of games. He didn't look great. I think there was general frustration. Um, you know, he won 10 games in his first year in Ottawa. He only started 25 games. Uh, and last year he only played 20 games, won five. Like he's already won more games this year with the Toronto Maple Leafs than he did all season with the Ottawa Senators, and he's already creeping up towards his win totals from two years ago. So um, this looks like a different person through these last, uh, I guess, six games Mm -hmm. that he's played. I would say in the first couple of games of the season, uh, I was pretty harsh on Matt Murray after he lost the season opener in Montreal. Yeah, because I was was terrible. Yeah. Well, was, oh, the book is out on this guy. Like, I'm not giving you the benefit of the doubt. I have seen this story before, buddy. Like, that was bad. Um, and obviously, he's been a lot better since coming back from injury. Um, I don't think he's lost a game in regulation since he's come back. So uh, it looks it looks different. I think now the question is just how um, long can he keep this going? And I think as long as the Leafs are defending well in front of him, um, we should be seeing an okay version of Matt Murray here. Like, I don't want to make any crazy proclamations here because goaltending is voodoo. Um, But he's looked really good. Like, this is definitely a different goalie that we're seeing through these last six wins from Matt Murray versus uh, the last two years in Ottawa. I think we saw in spurts, though. Mm -hmm. I will say, like, when he signed in Toronto, and everyone's asking, you covered him in in Ottawa, like, what do we need to know about Matt Murray? It's like, we've seen moments with the Senators when this guy is a number one goaltender, um, but they didn't really last that long. Um, but it's already lasted longer, I think, than we would have seen any good stretch of play in Ottawa from last year. So we'll see how long he can keep it rolling. Yeah, the, one of the things when he first came to Toronto was a lot of the, uh, a lot of Sens fans and a lot of hockey commentators and goalie trackers they pointed out that the end of his season was actually really strong, and then he had one weird yeah. game against the Coyotes, and that blew everything up. And that changed like his statistical outlook by quite a bit just based on the sample that he played. And I went, okay, that's fine. Let's make the excuses for the guy that's been hurt. But you're yeah. right. His debut was about as bad as it could get, and now his stretch is through the roof. And I'm trying to temper expectations a little bit because Jack Campbell was brilliant for the Leafs in November right. of last year, and then he completely fell off a cliff and was dreadful for essentially the rest of the season. The, the difference is, is I actually think the, the Sens and Leafs, the, the big thing that looks so different with these two teams is the way that they defend, right? Ottawa yes. has been horrific. They can't defend to yeah, save their, their lives. That's their biggest problem. Yeah, it's awful. They're terrible there. They can't protect Everyone the lead. Everyone thought they that things were going to be really good in Ottawa this year, but they yeah, didn't they're address last the blue line the whatsoever. Yeah, they're last in the division. And actually, what really sucks about... Um, well, I was hoping that there was going to be a bit of a Battle of Ontario resurgence this season. I was so excited for it. I remember some... Me too. Yeah, like, with those two top sixes on paper. It's I know. Like, you know, at the beginning of the year, everyone's like, oh, who's mm-hmm. going to have more goals this year? I think it's going to be the Sens' top six. 
six. I know. And like, the thing uh, is, is Senators fans are going to start to check out and they're not going to really care. And I don't I, think that's true. You don't think so? Okay. They're because, always in it. All right. Because they'll just be angry now instead, which will be just well, as fun. Like, Suns fans are fun. They're very passionate. I think they'll be, they'll still be. In and around it. Listen, Sense fans are my whole family, okay? That's it. That's the whole base is my family. Oh, no. I will be seeing them very shortly. And, yeah, when I come to town, they're they're getting the excuse book ready. Like, they've got right. their DJ Smith stuff. Like, they're they just... It's all lined up. Injury, Josh Norris, they're they're ready. They're lining up the things to say to me. Or, yeah. the, or they're Ooh. going... I wasn't really expecting anything this season like other people were. I wasn't one of those people. I said that they yeah. shouldn't trade Matt Murray to Leafs, blah, 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 whatever. I, but if their My stakes biggest... were higher, that would be so fun, is the idea yeah. of Dorian trading Matt Murray to the Leafs and the anxiety and like... that they would be feeling right now of, oh, my God, did we just give those guys our, their missing piece? No, because the, that, like the blue line in Ottawa, I mean, I, I was talking to uh, my colleague Dom Chishin, who has the the game score model at the athletic and when Thomas Shabbat was hurt, Artem Zub was hurt, I think Bernard Docker was still in the lineup. And I said to him, I was like, can you please look on GSVA and tell me where the the Sens blue line ranks? And he said, without Thomas Shabbat in the lineup, they are the 28th best mm-hmm. uh, blue line in the NHL. And I think that's just, I mean, you look at it doesn't really matter how good your forward group is if your defense can't get the puck out of the D zone and up to the forwards and, and out of your own zone and in transition the puck. And I think that's a problem that the Sens have. They, you know, their shot volume and their expected goal metrics are okay, but they spend a lot of time in their own zone and their kind of team defense overall is not great. And that's something that I really liked from the Leafs. I mean, I, I think who thought that, you know, Victor Mete goes down. It's their fifth defender that's hurt, and everyone's kind of like, "It's it's fine." Well, yeah, I don't think anyone's happy about it. But Victor guys Mete. are stepping up. Yeah, yeah it, no yeah. one was like, "What are they gonna do <laughs> no. now?" All eight <laughs> minutes, this guy plays poorly. How I will they ever was replace okay him? Yeah. With TJ Brody getting hurt, but not this one. Yeah. Uh, but I think you've seen a real commitment, um, you know, from the forward group to drop back and support. Uh, there was a couple couple games ago I was watching and I marked down William Nylander as someone who was like noticeable in his efforts to to drop back into the zone and you know provide that outlet pass or you know be the second guy in around the boards like guys at the forward group are, are making a real effort to to support their defense and and I think that kind of group defending is been a really big help uh, despite all the injuries that this team has faced and that that obviously helps a goalie, I heard you talking with your producer about Matt Murray kind of making the saves he needs to make. Um, I think other than the OT winner, I, I thought he wasn't great against Tampa. I think once the I think the lightning kind of knew if we can just create some chaos in front of this guy, he's not gonna be able to track the puck and, and his puck tracking did really suffer. I think he He couldn't see it. That he was game. late on a couple reads. The OT winner wasn't very good. Um sure you can make the the point that somebody on the blue line should be making more of an effort to get Corey Perry out of uh, Matt Murray's eyes. But there was a couple that were shorthanded. You don't really have the, <laughs> you don't really have the, the, the numbers to be able to do that. But anyways, I didn't think he was great against Tampa. The OT winner wasn't very good, but I think if you look at most of the numbers post game with Matt Murray and, and you look at what's being tracked as high danger chances and low danger chances, 
uh, mid-range chances. Most of the goals against for Matt Murray through the stretch have been high danger opportunities. Like he's not letting in little low event goals that he should mm-hmm. be saving. And, and that's obviously a really big positive for, for him and the team. It's huge. It's huge because one, he's getting the confidence of the fan base, which I do think is important here. It's it's really hard to be a goaltender who's struggling in a Canadian market. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk Especially, about your flames a little yeah. bit later and how that's working there. And, and, and I do think that for somebody like Matt Murray, who came in here where people had eyebrows raised saying, wait, they only retained what? And this is the plan in net and a popular guy, you know, the team, I think Dangle refers to him as the golden retriever. Jack Campbell leaves town. And then all of a sudden the guy that couldn't work out in uh, Ottawa, who was hurt all the time, who possibly stinks is here. Mm-hmm. No, that's not very good. That's not, uh, that's not an encouraged thing. So yeah, I think that it was important for the fan base. I think it's important for the team to know that, Hey, if they play responsibly in front of him, he is going to make those stops. And yeah, I think the most impressive thing from this entire stretch for the Leafs has been the way they defend as a team. That's why I've been, even last night with that whole, this is the most impressive shutout in the history of the NHL from, I think it was moneypuck.com that put it out there. I went, you know, that's not just, that's not how I feel about it because the Leafs are defending so well. And even though they had the, what, seven penalty kills in that game, they still did incredibly well on special teams as well. And so he gets a ton of credit. It's just, it's, yeah, the, the team defense needs to be lauded for it as well. Is that the most impressive part of the streak to you, like this this run for you, or has it been Mitch Marner's play? Is that the team defense you mean, sorry? Or yeah, Matt team Murray? defense, Matt Murray or Mitch Marner. I'm not giving yeah. you a third or a fourth option. Those are your three. You cannot <laughs> okay. choose off the board. Okay, well, off the board first, I just want to say in terms of the context, no, this you is talked about an Matt Arby's. Murray and the there's, fans. There's, no. Oh, that. No, okay, is, yeah, that's I have fine. a good point to make. Um, I think you just like zoom out a bit and think of the context in which he left Pittsburgh. I mean, this was the guy that people chose, that the organization, not people, chose uh, to protect over Matt Murray in the the Vegas expansion draft. And people did not like that. (laughs) Uh, He was not like a beloved figure in Pittsburgh, despite kind of being a guy who was a major piece of them winning two Stanley Cups. I mean, he was the guy that they lost Marc-Andre Fleury for. And Fleury was, yeah, they loved him so much and they were not happy. He was not a very loved person in Pittsburgh. So I'm sure it's good that he's kind of got the backing of the fan base. So I'm with you on that. Um, In terms of the streak, I think, honestly, like I I do think that the team defense overall is a really good thing. I, I really like Mark Giordano and Justin Hall. I mean, Justin Hall's taken so much on the teeth. Uh, his his th- his puck throw yesterday. I was like, I don't even care that he was so tired. You can't do that. No, I was he like, was that so was tired. Great. He was yeah, so he was tired. Like, I don't even care right now. Yeah, he was like, just and go away. Even... This is great. <laughs> I was talking about it, and uh, I was talking about it with someone last night. They're like, did he like hide it well? I was like, no, no. <laughs> like, no, he, he just, just grabbed it, and threw that it. puck up, yeah. and tossed it. Jays are missing um, out on all the starters, and they were, he was like, yeah. you know, there's so much money. He's like, Andrew Heaney gets what? I'll I'll show them. Something. Yeah, he's looking at some of the contracts being shelled out in the MLB, and he's yeah. like. Mm. People Maybe are mad that he makes do. $2 million. People have been yeah. furious that Justin Hall makes $2 million. He's oh like, yeah, God. I'll try baseball. Yeah, I think the team defense is a big one, though. Um, I think Mark Giordano is he is the oldest skater in the league, um, but he is probably one of the most valuable in terms of how much he's making. Like, if you look at the value versus the dollar, I mean, I don't know if there's anyone who's doing more. Than Mark Giordano, he's just so solid back there. I, he he's not as fast as he was, obviously, um, when he was kind of at his peak. And, and I, 
I won't even say when he was winning Norris trophies because that was only a couple of years ago because he did that pretty late in his career. But he's not as fast as foot as peak Mark Giordano, but he's just so good positionally. Um, that's a real focus for him is thinking like if I'm in the right spots, I don't need to use my foot speed to you know, make up for a mistake that I'm making. And I think we see even when, you know, the Leafs are on a PK or the Dallas Stars, who have one of the best top lines in the league, or one of the best, like most potent offenses in the league, are pressing in the Leafs zone. There is kind of a sense of this is all right um, when you have Mark Giordano back there because he's always good for a big defensive read. He's got good stick details. He's always in the right places. He's always good for, like, how many blocks have you seen this guy take, like, right on the ankles uh, in the last minute of a game uh, or on a PK or, or whatever it may be? So I think uh, that's been huge. I think Sandine and Lilligren have have looked stronger, especially after some tough stretches, um, particularly when, you know, Sandine kind of put it right on Sidney Crosby's tape a couple weeks ago. Um, and honestly, I, I, the third pair, I was doing the Leafs report cards for a bit for the athletic. And I feel like I was just constantly giving Matt Hollowell and Victor Mete a pass. Cause I was like, they have just been like, particularly Matt Hollowell, like this guy has just been thrown into the NHL probably before he's ready. This is a uh, Matt Hollowell show. He's doing about as well so as you know. can. So this, this he's is, what? this is a Matt Hollowell show. So tread oh, no. lightly or we will oh, clip no. it. Like he, he is, A plus yeah. every day. Thank you. Like, thank you. <laughs> Very good grades. This is a Mac Hollowell uh, Believer show. This uh-huh. is a program. This is a room full of Mac Hollowell Believers. Yeah. No, absolutely. I think he was, I think size was a big issue for him against uh, Tampa. And it's probably why you saw Connor Timmons in the lineup. Yeah, it might You'll be. You'll probably see he, Mette back. We're hoping for or a late growth Mette, spurt. We're hoping me. for a late growth spurt. That's the, yeah. that's the position of the team. Just yeah, like right. me in university where I was like, I've read some guys don't stop growing until they're 20. <laughs> That's... Did that growth spread ever happen for you? No, but I figured out sometimes it's like winter comes, you can get boots. That's that's, that's oh okay. That's, that's Just a... like wear Air Max all the time. I think the most offensive thing actually is that sometimes on my Instagram, I'll get ads for, hey, fellas, do you want to wear these sneakers that <laughs> make you three inches taller? And every time those come up, I'm like, this is the meanest thing in the history of anything. And you see these guys on the street put those little sneakers on and I go... In what world would anyone ever? But, yeah, then I remember that my friend Dan Riccio exists, and I go, right, that's exactly why those things exist. Um, you're yeah, right. Yeah, I can't relate. I think I'm taller than you. But anyway, you're team not taller than me, but that's okay. Nice try. No, that... I'm almost certain that I am. No, okay. uh, guess what? Um, we will go back to back the next time I see you, and I will be proven <laughs> okay. to be taller than you. <laughs> it's a fact. Like, how okay. dare you challenge me yeah. publicly like this and think that I wouldn't defend my height's honor, okay? Uh-huh. How dare you? Notice how you're not actually saying how tall you are on the mic because you don't want people no to know. i'm i know exactly how tall i am so i have uh, i've been measured by a doctor <laughs> well no it's not i i've been measured by people that were more biased against me than doctors some mm-hmm. of, so i have a group of friends that are giants and this is one of the most sure. unfortunate things for me when it comes to photos like my best friend who i'm hanging out with tonight is six foot nine and oh my. yeah Why? exactly he's six nine and he's we're having a sleepover tonight, actually. You had a kid, and we're getting a first sleepover in a really long time. Fun. Bros night. Anyways, watch Raptors-Lakers and then hit the hay, <laughs> you know? Anyway, oh. he's 6'9", and I have another friend who is 6'7". I have another friend who's 6'6", another friend who's 6'4", and so clearly myself That's in the group. It's unfortunate for you. It is, like, wildly unfortunate. The wedding photos from, like, two summers ago when 6'9 got married, uh, 
I, it's not a good look for me. It's not. Yeah. It's not. Zoom in on all the pictures and on your tippy toes. No, it's a lot of why don't we stand around in different spots so that perspective <laughs> is different for us. Thank you very it's much. Worse. But no, they have uh, when Kyler Murray was drafted. Uh, I was measured to see if I was taller than Kyler Murray, and I can safely say that I am. Uh, I measured in a little over five foot ten. Wow! Stop texting. I can hear your phone. Like you know that that <laughs> sends right through. You're like using your phone as. Hey, well, you're going on a rant. What no, else but, are what you gonna do? do? I, every couple of days, like, are you bored? It's like zoop, zoop, zoop. It's like I, I, you're not that important. I know you have things to do, but it's like you're. Barely no, I wasn't awake. texting. When no. you said Raptors Lakers, yeah. I was like, ooh. Yeah. No. It's Should not, I get tickets to that? It's, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like, you're, you're you're like you're one second away from just trying Hey Siri while you're on the phone. Anyways. Yeah. Um, the Marner streak, yeah, it goes to twenty. Um, I was just—I was actually pretty impressed to look up yesterday. I went, "What is the actual streak?" And of course, it's Gretzky and it's fifty-one. So yeah, he's not yeah. breaking that record. But I've—I've yeah. I've mentioned this before. One of my very favorite things to watch in sports—it's something similar to what is going on with Jason Tatum right now of the Celtics, and Mitch Marner's doing it too, where someone who's been really, really good for a long time starts to hit a different level as a player, and you go, holy crap, we might be watching their prime. And I'm starting to sound a little bit like a douche, the amount that I've been talking about flow state, but that's something that I love seeing in professional sports, is when you watch as much as we do, a lot of it becomes a little bit mundane. And yeah, sorry, but the Ducks-Canes game, you got to... You, you got I, I can't say what I, I really was, love my job. I'm trying to go through like three different things that I was going to say and can't about what you'd have to make me do in order for me to watch that game with joy in my heart or to pretend like I'm enjoying that. Right. Uh, there's not much. Let's just put it that way. There's really not okay. much that you can do to make me watch that and say, this is fun. I'm having a good time. But <laughs> watching an athlete hit that flow state, hit that next tier, it's it's one of my favorite things. Even watching the Raptors lose the other night, I really wanted the Raptors to win. It was an important one, but Jason Tatum just taking over in the third quarter on a back-to-back, I went, wow, this is just beautiful. Um, I am curious what your favorite thing is from just individual, like an individual in hockey, your individual thing. What's your favorite? Yeah, that's a tough one. And I... <laughs> I gave you days to prepare. I know. You can't say that's and a I tough didn't. one. You didn't prepare yeah, at all. Yeah, I love their personality. I love when they're good away. guys. You're just texting love... away. <laughs> I love when they're nice. I love. I hate that. That's, that's <laughs> goodbye. I just goodbye. love when they have a great personality. And I don't even understand this because you're mean in the like, media. So it's just what I'm joking. Yeah. You like when they're nice. Um, yeah. I didn't prepare for this at all, but I think watching, watching these guys hit that stride is a big one. I think probably because I spent so much time in Ottawa and the beginning of my career was spent so much, um, and junior in the American League and, and prospects, I do really like watching um, players through that development phase. And once they finally kind of go from, yeah, this guy's going to be something to, yeah, that's a, that's an NHL player, um, regardless of how old they are. I think one of my favorite stories that I did in Ottawa early on was something on Nick Paul because um, he was a guy who – um, you know, really struggled to break into the league. He was in the AHL for like five years, just consistently, consistently cut from the Ottawa Senators, which was a bad team, and he just couldn't do it. Uh, and then he, you know, started to become more mindful, and he changed his mindset, and he 
you know, did a couple things to kind of change the way he prepares and the way that he just lives his life uh, and, and found the value that he has for himself outside of hockey and the hockey started to click. And then now we see Nick Paul and he signs that big contract with uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning and he goes to the cup final last year with Tampa and, and obviously the Leafs saw him. He was the kind of dagger in, in that, uh, what was it? I think it was game seven not game six, but anyways, Leafs fans would have been familiar with Nick Paul in the playoffs last year. So that's a big one. Um, watching like Josh Norris and Drake Batherson, um, guys like that kind of start to hit their stride at the NHL level. Tim Stutzla, I really like the development path for guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think with when you're talking about Marner and you're talking about guys hitting that, I'm not going to say flow state unironically because, yeah, that's, that kind of sucks. This <laughs> Don't <laughs> do that. Don't do that. <laughs> I like watching guys when they're hitting their peak. And I would agree. I think we're seeing um, a different level to Marner. I think this is, I'm consistently not surprised um, because he was on the PK last year, but I think last night when you're watching Marner on the the four minute kill or the five on three, and you're just like, damn, like he really does. Like we're talking about a guy who's out there, like right out there with David camp camp will play like eight minutes shorthanded and Marner will play like seven and a half. Um, and, and you think of what David Camp's thing is, and it's he's, you know, the good defensive center and he's a good PK and, and Mitch Marner's right there with him um, on the PK unit with him or on the next one, depending on the way that the Leafs are rolling it out. And I think that's been really impressive is Mitch isn't just scoring at an impressive clip. He's not just, um, you know, rolling through a 20 game point streak. He's one of the best, you know, defending forwards on the Maple Leafs, and he's being put in all situations, um, five on five, and he's the top peak, uh, top power play guy. He's on the top PK. Um, he's in and around it in all three zones, and I think that's what's been really impressive. Like, this isn't just a guy who's getting a ton of offensive zone starts and um, just cooking on the power play, right? And I think he's, he's, you know, either scoring or got the primary assist on the team's opening goal more times than not. Um, I just think Mitch Marner's kind of been the guy on the Leafs this season because we haven't seen, like, the dominant um, Austin Matthews game yet this season. I think he's probably trending in the right direction. It's not as bad as it was in the beginning of the season when he was shooting at 2%, but I think Mitch Marner's kind of been the guy this year. And I think you just look at um, John Tavares, who used to kind of get a ton of offensive zone starts, um, and now he's starting in the D zone way more often because Sheldon Key feels comfortable putting Mitch Marner in those situations because he can, you know, if Tavares wins the faceoff and then you get it up to Marner and then, you know, they transition into the offensive zone very quickly. And I think that's always something that I'm impressed with when you see your skilled guys. They're not just getting, you know, the the Sedin treatment where it's like 95% offensive zone starts and offensive zone faceoff. So there's a lot going right for Mitch Marner right now. And again, I think I think I saw you talking about this on, on Leafs Talk, and it's like, is this Mitch Marner's team right now? Um, and through these 20 games or whatever, it absolutely is. I don't think there's a question. And um, I know he's not going to touch the Wayne Gretzky point streak. And I was getting annoyed because people are like, the Leafs media, like, stop talking about this. He's still 30 games away from the record. It's like, this is a significant franchise record that has been longstanding by a franchise icon and hockey hall of famer and Daryl Sittler. And it's one of the longest active um, point streaks, like in terms of active players, the like key is now kind of in that, you know, I think the longest point streak by an active player right now was Patrick Kane at, what was it? 26 games. 
and then Sidney Crosby at 25. I mean, Mitch Marner is at 20 now, and Patrick Kane had a 20. So, like, we're looking at a guy who's now in the conversation of, like, the longest point streaks of guys who are playing in, you know, 2020 or the 2010s. You know, we're not talking about the 80s right now. So I do think it's significant um, the way that Mitch Marner is putting points together, um, the way that he's playing in all three zones, and obviously the wins are coming for the Maple Leafs too. So, uh, by the way, that's a great answer. Thanks. But flow isn't going anywhere. Um, I'm not using that, no. Well, it's Notice fine. how I didn't just yeah. keep saying, like, he's hitting the flow No, state. but it's, it's fine because, like I said, this is, this is <laughs> going to be... Don't you know what be, I'm talking about? Yeah, but people who will follow the show will know that this isn't going anywhere and that I've been on this kick now for... A lot of, sports psychology has become more part of the show, especially as the Leafs approach a very, very important playoffs. And Mihai, six cent Mihai. The godfather, the Hungarian-American godfather of the psychological concept of flow state. We'll be reading okay. more about him throughout this season, just so everybody knows. And, yeah, I have to practice that name like every Why can't time. you just say he's dialed in or something normal? No, because that's the thing. This guy coined that term, flow state. And if you read about him and what it is, anyway, flow state, that's what we're about. No, dialed in is, la- is way lamer than flow state. No. Dialed in is like, that's you, not like on a phone. Although you're definitely not dialed in. All the texting no. and all the things no. that are going on in the background of this interview. Like, this is the Hall of Fame. Like, this is, this is top tier. Um, Am I not supposed to type while I'm on the radio? No. Yeah. I'm very new at this. Yeah. No, this is bad. I was like I said, it's just. <laughs> it's you, not bad. Yeah. Do you ever listen to Jeff Merrick and Elliot Friedman? Elliot is like. Yeah, I know. He loves <laughs> walking do, around, yeah. talking to his fans on the street. Yeah. You this know is what, good though? audio this quality. Is, but okay? I actually think that Elliot's brilliant. One is, it's always good to get your steps in. It's always sure. good to get your steps in. If but I Elliot went for a knows, walk right now, you'd be like, what are you doing? Is that the window? No, but that's the thing. I don't know if your windows are open. I don't know if you're hosting a party. Like, you've had just a lot of ambient background noise during this interview. That is but not true. Yeah, I, I, listen, Austin, you're my technical producer. Weigh in. How many times have you given me the nod? Like, where, where is she right now? Yeah, that's right. And I was like... How? I'm yeah, sitting that, at my desk. Okay, well, then then you've got a noisy desk, all right? And you should close the window or something like that. I, the window is closed. Okay, it's well, very warm all right, in here. All right. <laughs> so, damn it. Where was I going with this before? I don't know. Uh, flow Sorry. state. No, 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 that wasn't it. Anyway, I'm out on that. That's already done. I lost my train of thought. Damn it. I okay. actually had something to give. I had something to contribute here, but I've lost it completely. Um, oh, it's fine. We got to go. Thank That's you for great. your time today. We very much yeah, appreciate it. the noise. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, it's fine. That's more the uh, being like, oh, were you boring you? <laughs> She's texting. Yes. Like, should we go to the Raptors game tonight? Ouch. Honestly, you brought it up. I was like, oh, LeBron? I don't know. Yeah, maybe he plays. I think he will. But probably not. No, I know. That's what I, I found that out as I was Googling. <laughs> no, it's just, uh, yeah, they played last night, and they might just take this one as a scheduled loss, and this might be a Russell Westbrook. Uh, you get to go watch him take a million yeah, shots tonight. Anyway, we'll see. Um, thank you for coming on. Uh, next time we'll get into why the Flames stink. Uh, Leafs play them later on this week, but we ran out of time. Haley Salvian, oh, yeah, National sorry, NHL writer. No, that's fine. It's good. Uh, National NHL writer for The Athletic. Hockey Central 960. You can hear that later today. Subscribe to that podcast. Leave five stars. Do all those nice things. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. See you. Okay, bye. Um, I'm heartbroken that I can't remember what we were talking about. And nobody, you know what sucks the most? All you guys are here listening to the show. And I can tell how bored you are because I'm like, what were we talking about? And all three of you whose number one job is to listen to the show are like, 
I have no idea what you were talking about, dude. Like, nothing. I, I didn't know what you were thinking. I don't know where you were. Yeah, yeah. What was I talking about right before we got into the window and the doors opened? The flow state? No, that was there was something in between. I was too busy doing my job, making sure Haley's yeah. audio quality was good. So yeah, hand yeah. up there, JD, that's my okay, bad. Yeah, you know what? That's all right. There's some ownership. Boffo won't even look at me. He knows. <laughs> like, Boffo's looking at the floor because he knows he was completely checked I, out. I, I wanted to grab my staff from last night of the Marner yeah. about how he can get to 52 if he has a point in every game until yeah. February 24 against Minnesota. about that, though? No, I, I think I already ranted about this, how you're a loser if you're crying about people talking about the Leaf streak. Mm-hmm. Sorry, but you are. It's significant. It's totally yeah, significant. Of course it is. Of course it is. Um, this market matters. His point streak matters. It's not the biggest story on earth, but it's clearly a big storyline. And guess what? It would have remained a storyline for Jason Robertson of the Dallas Stars had he been able to continue his. I'm glad nobody said... I'm glad there's no such thing as Dallas Stars fans. Otherwise, people would have been like, you jinxed him. I don't think I'll ever get Jason back on the show. I know one Stars fan. Yeah, right. One singular. I'm not kidding. Yeah. They just like wearing green. I mean, that's kind of the joke that I tell them. I say, you just like the, you just like the jerseys. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. There's no way. Stars fan. Well, how did you become a Stars fan? I'm just, I'm just saying. I, just, I, I know one self-proclaimed Stars fan. Uh, you know, I was thinking about watching was how... Tyler Sagan was there. It's just very meh. And yeah, he's had a good career, but God, people were so sad. Leafs, Phil Kessel, the Phil Kessel experiment, experience. Experience. Both. Yeah. Was better than having drafted Tyler Sagan. I stand, I stand on that. It was way more entertaining watching Phil Kessel those years on those Leafs teams than it would have been having Tyler Sagan. Does anyone feel like the Leafs really blew it with that one? Like in hindsight, Dougie Hamilton was part of that trade too. That one hurts if you put those two together. There's no guarantee the Leafs would have ended up drafting him. But, and then I think Jared Tenorti was the other guy. But yeah, did we really miss watching Tyler Sagan's career here? Was that like a devastating thing for everybody? Not no. personally. No, it's fine. Well, yeah, you were not born. So I know. Didn't matter. Okay, okay. <laughs> I, I was there. Yeah, you were there. I was you there. Did. You were four years old. You were a child. <laughs> I was a young lad. Yeah, I was a young you lad. You were a child. Anyways, let's take a quick break. Let's come back and uh, let's pick the Thursday nighter. Sportsnet 590, the fan. So I'm throwing a curveball at the fellas because we are supposed to, it's Wednesday. So that's when we normally do our, our prop parlay. Um, we're just picking the side of the line in the Raiders Rams game tomorrow night because there's just not enough props up yet because of the whole weird Baker Mayfield thing. Maybe some injuries. I don't know what it is, but you can only bet on like six guys as far as I've seen so far. So we'll wait on that one. We'll get Mm -hmm. our props going tomorrow, but it's time for action brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings app to get in on the action. Must be 19 plus. Must be in Ontario. Please play responsibly. Okay, so tomorrow. This game was supposed to be hot. Mm -hmm. It is 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 not anymore. It is not hot. Although, I'm kind of... It could be a sneaky good game, though. No, no, no. I don't really think that so much. But is anybody here buying any Raiders stock? You You could buy it very low. I'm not. No? 
No, I can't believe in them. No. I, I, I take a look take one look at the defense and that's I, I'm not buying any stock because of that. Five and seven all of a sudden. They just beat the Chargers. Mm-hmm. Ravens just lost Lamar. And last year, as much as I enjoyed Huntley, they lost a lot of games with Huntley back there, and they barely beat the Broncos. They beat them ten nine. They're eight and four. And Lamar could be out for one to three weeks. Colts are out of it. Jags are out of it. Patriots, it, it's kind of Patriots, Jets, Chargers. To me, the Raiders are sort of around it. I'm buying a little stock. I don't think the Browns are going to do anything. I hope Deshaun Watson is Russell Wilson 2.0. <laughs> so badly. Like it, this year's version of Russell Wilson. Yeah. Yeah, okay. No, I, <laughs> no I'm rooting for him to be an no, MVP okay, caliber yeah, yeah. player for the Browns. No, uh, yeah, I really hope that's that's my take of the day. <laughs> I really hope the Sean Watson is great, you guys. I really hope he turns it out. I'm rooting for him. I think he got a bad rap. No, that's no. not the take. No. Anyway, um, I'm kind of buying a little Raiders stock, and I, I think that that's going to be the narrative. They win this game, which I do think that they will win. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, they're game away from being 500. They're just they're sniffing around. They they got to run the table essentially for them to do this, but they're sniffing. They're yeah. sniffing. They won three straight. Okay, none of you guys buy any stock. So there's no changes. No, I don't want to hear. Are, it. are you saying I like buying you, no. stock to go to the playoffs or yes. to actually do something in the playoffs? No, well, sh- 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 I'm just, no, I'm no, just no, clarifying. No, I'm just clarifying. It's too late. None no, of I'm you not can. In. I'm not in. I, I've done the case, and I could already see that I changed hearts and minds because I'm a compelling. <laughs> no, speaker. no, I'm not in. I'm no, not I, in. I, I don't, it's not too in. late. It's too late. I'm the only one riding with the Raiders. Okay. I'll ride with the Raiders, and that, I'll gladly do that. By the way, they're going to lay a bomb now. <laughs> this is, this is, uh, this is uh, two curses in two days. Yeah. Uh, so we've got a line that as we don't know who the quarterback is of the Rams, but I think we do. Okay. I, I they got Baker Mayfield. Cool. That's fun. Except for it's not because Baker Mayfield stinks, and I I truly believe that the Rams just did this to block the Niners from getting them. They went, uh, we just won a Super Bowl. The last thing we want is the Niners to improve their chances of it. Apparently, Jimmy G not done, though. Not a Liz mm-hmm. Frank. I don't know. I should have looked further into this. Sometimes you don't even know if it's a fake Adam Schefter. But I assume what I saw was the real Adam Schefter saying that's not a Liz Frank. He could be back in seven to eight weeks, which would put him on track to be around divisional conference playoffs, which absolutely the Niners could be at. Uh, my guess is, though, as well as Brock Purdy played, they would want to add another quarterback with some pedigree who clearly has more talent than Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy was Mr. Irrelevant, and he played well in that game. I was very impressed by him. I was listening to uh, hopefully tomorrow's guest, Daniel Jeremiah, talk about him uh, when he was in college. And I went, yeah, it checks out a lot of the things. But, yeah, I, I don't think you're winning a Super Bowl with Brock Purdy, no matter how good your defense is. A guy mm-hmm. who comes in, your third stringer, a seventh-round pick. Baker Mayfield is not good, but it's a clear upgrade on what you have. If you can get him up to speed in a couple of weeks, especially a team like the Niners that just need someone to manage the game. Yeah. Baker's going to be better at that for the Niners than Brock Purdy would have been. Yeah, it's a real Adam Schefter, by the way. Yeah, okay, good. Nice. According to real Adam Schefter, not fake Twitter Adam Schefter. From but... the ESPN app. Well, the problem is, is that I keep getting Pete, who sends me fake stuff every <laughs> single day. Pete is the biggest, like, <laughs> he just gets... 
bamboozled yeah. nonstop. If I see something on Twitter, I'd go and Google it instantly. I, and then Pete, if real sources come I, up. I'm genuinely at the point where Pete has to get removed from the group chats because he just keeps sending so much fake news. He's, He's got bad. a good heart, JD. He's got a good heart. Yeah, he can go have a good heart The spirit is else. there. He's send it to your friends. This is a professional work environment, okay? <laughs> Tired of getting, do you guys see Drew Brees died from lightning? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> go see that! <laughs> that's Pete every day. Pete's anyway, more soft-spoken than that. Anyway, uh, that, that's how I read his text. Is like, that's where he goes. <laughs> anyway, the Raiders are six-point favorites, which is feels a little bit too much on the road for a team that's two games under 500, but they're trending in the right direction. I don't know who the Rams are going to play in this game. They were beat up last week, and I, I think we might be confusing the Rams' fire from a week ago against the Seahawks that they loved like a divisional opponent that they really wanted to beat. They really wanted to do that for Bobby Wagner. They got up for an emotional leader of the team, a guy who came over to LA to win a Super Bowl and it has gone horrifically wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sean McVay, Pete Carroll have a bit of a rivalry. Obviously DK Metcalf and Jalen Ramsey hate each other. I don't know if the Rams get up for this game the same way. Here's what I will say. I don't really trust the Raiders with laying six points, but mm-hmm. I do think that they're going to win this game. I think it's a safe money line bet, but yeah. I think I'm leaning with the, the the points, the plus six for the Rams on some kind of like a backdoor cover. I just, yeah, Derek Carr has been throwing some interceptions. They are relying very, very heavily on Devontae Adams. Short week, but it still is Jalen Ramsey. J- Although Jalen Ramsey doesn't move around and Devontae Adams does a lot. I don't know. Maybe I'm overthinking this. I don't have a great feel for it. To me, this is more of just a stay away. Like even the number, again, I've always said this, but 44 and a half is the ultimate. We have no idea how yeah. many points are going to be scored. Literally right game. in the middle. Yeah. You guys have a feel? Anybody have a feel on this game? I, I was leaning Rams plus six. I, I agree with what you said that it's just, I, I was looking at the Seattle game and you make a, you make a good point that it was a division opponent mm-hmm. and they know them well. So that kind of gives me a little bit of pause, but I just think they're at home. If, if Baker is starting, I mean, you got to think he's going to try to just sling it and try to be motivated. If Baker's starting, I'm going Raiders. Yeah. Like I'm I'm not this actually changes my opinion pretty heavily. If they try to give Baker Mayfield two days into the building a start here, that is a clear sign of we are completely punting. <laughs> this is done. We're he's he's here because we're gonna try to find reps. Maybe he's the replacement for Stafford a year from now. We're just throwing him right into the fire. The Raiders will kick the crap out of them. The other thing that should be mentioned here, like this is not a home game for the Rams. There will be no Rams fans there. That's this is true. going to be all Raiders yeah. nation. Yep. I'm flipping. I'm going with Raiders minus six. But this, I, I talk myself into it. Raiders minus six. But I mean, the, doesn't this just seem like so, such Raiders though? Just when you're starting to believe they're going to lay an egg, that just seems like something they would do. Yeah, probably. That's what I said. Especially after I stumped for them and said that they're going to make the playoffs. Anyway, quick break. Let's come back. Uh, that was time for action. Brought to you by DraftKings, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings app to get in on the action. Must be 19 plus. Ontario only. Uh, John Morosi had to bail today, so we're going to grab Ben Nicholson-Smith. That's next. Having a... Having a day here. If Daniel Jeremiah cancels on me, I quit. Kadri, last minute, quit, bail. John Morosi, big leagued me. It's okay. I was already, I was planning on having our next guest on, on Friday. Now he's bumped up and Morosi is cut and he can tell him that when he sees him, when he sees my friend, John, nicest guy in the world, 
First, th- first mean thing John Morosi ever did was to me. Hmm, interesting. That's that's that doesn't feel very good. I've said this before, and I've actually said this about our next guest, which is if you ask him, "Hey, what do you think about person X?" and he hesitates, it's that's a that's a death blow for that person. That's a death blow. Ben Nicholson Smith, Sportsnet. What's up, bro? How are we doing? Well, uh, I'm doing very well. And uh, it's great to be talking some baseball with you. And, J.D., if anyone asks me about you, there is no hesitation. Let me put it that way. Yeah, except for, yeah, that could be a lot of people went, yeah, because not the way he, he wants to think. <laughs> yeah, that's, anyway, if you see John today, um, push him, all right? <laughs> Shove him. Uh, I make no promises on yeah, that. Like, J- J- imagine, oh, imagine shoving John Morosi would be the meanest thing, like jail, immediate jail for you. Like it, some it cop shows up. Nice. Yeah, exactly. Cop, and, and it's like that thing where you go to jail and the prison guards know who you are day one. You, they, you're like waking up in the middle of the night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to them coming in there and just beating the absolute crap out of you in the middle of the night. It's like, that's the guy who beat, who pushed John Morosi. It's like, yeah, anyway. Uh, all right, so yesterday you got to talk to Boris. Borkor, you and Hazel May, you sit down with the man. And I love Boris because he's a man with an agenda, right? He's but, but he's just not afraid to spit. And we just don't really have another figure that's quite like him, right? That it's just uh, the power agent, the power broker, who will sit down and just openly <laughs> discuss what other teams are doing. And so he tells you, despite Ross Atkins being out here going, pitching is the only thing that we definitely need to eat, to add. All right? We're very flexible. We're a flexible team, but pitching, pitching. And he sits down with you and Hazel, and I'm paraphrasing here. You can, you can journalist me if I, if I get something kind of wrong, and says, nah, what they really want here is outfielders. Like, they're desperate for outfielders. Um, yeah, is that becoming more and more the read? And let's flip it into even further. If they miss out on Brandon Nimmo, what the hell happens if that's their priority at free agency? Yeah, yeah. First of all, Boris is, is just Amazing. one of a kind. He yeah. really is. Yeah, he's one of a kind. He's so entertaining. I love that, you know, this is the entertainment business. I think that we can all forget that sometimes and, and get really serious about about these things. And, and look, like, it is it is serious. It is people's careers. But at the same time, let's have some fun with it. It's, you know, Aaron Judge is signing with the Yankees. That's great. You know, Scott Boris is sitting down and discussing all these different things. That's, that's really fun. He has fun with it. So. Yep. I appreciate that, even if I don't agree with every last thing that Scott Boris says. For sure. uh, He's he's a character. For sure. I just want to jump in there for one second, because this is a real hobby horse of mine. You're, you're, You're bang on with Boris, man. And I don't know how more people don't see that and go, why don't I try to capitalize on some of this to a degree, right? You have so many people who are terrified in today's media climate or social media climate to actually say stuff or be themselves or be a character. And he's just a lesson in, hey, if you're actually good at what you do, then all that stuff generally gets pretty much embraced. We don't really care about the stupid things you say. We just want to be around an entertainer and that this is for the fans and that this is to try to get eyeballs and clicks and all this different stuff. And, and I really wish people did play the game a little bit more like Boris. Anyways, end of rant. I, let, let's just say there's a little bit of appreciation for him today, even though he historically just loves to cram on the Blue Jays. <laughs> Go. Yeah, he, he loves getting in there. He has a great time with it. And yeah. it's funny, too, because, like, you know, when I'm, when I'm here, like, there are agents all over. So, I, you know, one of the things I like is I, I talk to them and get their perspective on things. And, like, the number of chirps that agents standing, like, 20 feet away deliver to me about Boris. Like, they're like, oh, I can't believe this guy. He loves being the center of attention. And it's like, so you know, you can do this, too. Like, yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'm happy to quote you if you want. Like, mm-hmm. I have no problem doing that. 
But it's it's a lot of hesitation, and that's fine. They've got their own way of doing things, but Boris really is one of a kind. So, you know, to, to his dis- discussion of the Jays, it's really interesting. And my read on it is it reflects his interaction with the Blue Jays. So, for example, he has a lot of outfielders who bat left-handed. So the Jays are in on Nimmo. They checked on, on Cody Bellinger. I don't think they really love Cody Bellinger, but they checked. They were in on Con- on Michael Conforto and continue to be in on Conforto. Um, Joey Gallo, probably more in the fringes of the Jays' interest. But, you know, that is a collection of players that Boris is really connected on, where Carlos Rodon, who he has, Taiwan Walker, who he has, and placed with the Phillies on, on a very nice four-year, $72 million deal. Those guys, at least my understanding of this, and his comments certainly would seem to reinforce that, the Jays don't seem to be that in on Carlos Rodon, and they don't seem to have been that in on Taiwan Walker. So then when Boris says that, my read is his clients, it's really outfielders as opposed to the pitchers. Yeah. Two of those guys make a lot of sense. People would probably push back on Joey Gallo. I actually love the idea of bringing him in as a a fourth outfielder type. Clearly, you don't want to have him there every day, even though he plays pretty decent defense. Um, But yeah, I just, I love the idea of Joey Gallo coming back to the AL East and becoming a Yankee killer. That would be great. That just, that's a story that maybe I'm just doing too much narrative stuff, but no, I actually don't mind the Gallo idea. If Bellinger was on the table as a fourth outfielder, I don't know why uh, Joey Gallo can't be on the table as a fourth outfielder, but yeah, so that, those are the guys that they're talking to. That seems to be a clear prerogative. The point I was kind of making earlier on in the show is, hey, they actually need to get some things done in free agency because they can't afford to just simply go into the trade market with the limited pieces they have and say, don't worry, we're going to address everything through this. Um, do you think that the Jays, like, what's your read on how well they're doing here? Because you're, okay, let's say Cody Bellinger wasn't that high of interest for them. They offered more money to try and get Andrew Heaney. He's someone that they were pretty hot to trot for. Do you, do you think they wanted Justin Verlander? You tweeted that they were never really in on him, but they tried. Do you think that the Jays are blowing it right now? Well, you know, if any fan is out there wondering and worrying, that's totally fair. That's part of being a fan. I think that it's worth remembering the lessons of the last couple off seasons when we're, when we're having these discussions because, you know, you look at what the Jays have done and they've signed Marcus Simeon and George Springer, Late in the offseason, they traded for Matt Chapman. Late, they signed Hyunjin Ryu. Late, these guys all went on to have impact seasons with the Blue Jays. And I think that that all those pathways still exist for this team. There's still tons of good players out there in trade, in free agency. They still can have a good offseason. Now, that's not the same thing as having Aaron Judge in pinstripes ready to do a news conference. Like, there's still work to do. The Jays have done not nearly enough. They're a worse team now than they were at the end of the season. But to me, I think we've just seen it enough times now where it's like, it's okay to finish second. Sometimes it's okay not to get every free agent that you bid for. If you got every free agent that you bid for, it probably would mean that you're overbidding. So they still have a ton of work. It's still not done. They're still not good enough, but there's time. And I expect that they will make the moves they need to make. So how important do you think it is that they land Nimmo though at this point? I missed the last part. How important do you think it is that they land Nimmo at this point? Because it, yeah, he, yeah, it, yeah, it, like it's one. a pretty big drop off from him to the next options. Exactly. On you know, as a baseball fit, he's the best fit. Like you know, for setting aside price, setting aside term, he's he's the best player. And 
he would be really good on a multi-year deal. Like I, I've going into the off season, I probably saw him more as a guy that, you know, the risk was really scary to me. Now I can see a valid case for going a hundred, maybe 110 million on him. I don't think that gets it done. Um, I think that he probably ends up with more, especially now that judges with the giants, right? Or, or sorry, judges with the Yankees. That means that the giants, are not going to spend $300 million on Judge. They still need an outfielder. They still have a ton of money to spend. So if I'm Brandon Nimmo, I'm looking at San Francisco. And sure, the Jays can be in that mix, but I don't think Nimmo necessarily gets a discount. And, you know, this is, yeah, like he'd be great, but I would not necessarily be holding my breath if I'm a Jays fan on Nimmo. That didn't make me feel good. It's weird because I'm in this position where, I don't really love the price for Brandon Nimmo based on the age, based on the injury history, based on the defense, the position, being in the Rogers Center, having an outfield that's comprom- or that is comprised of three guys who get hurt. Um, yeah, there's just some reasons why I'm not just dancing on the roof going, you got to have Brandon Nimmo. But then I just I look at the options, right, and I say, all right, so... Then the option becomes Michael Conforto in free agency, which, no, I'm sorry, that's just not good enough. Or you go to the trade market, and yeah, all right, I keep getting uh, a million tweets about the Cardinals outfield, right? And what guy they could get, and how they profile, and how selective Newt Bar is at the plate. All right, fine. Um, that still requires you using one of your trade assets to address a position of need. And then you're left with kind of a prospect or two, a high-end prospect or two that you can play with to maybe address the starting pitching, maybe address some other areas of need for the team. It just, yeah, it, to me, the Nimmo thing is not so much that I love him. It's more that if we're looking at the options and flexibility of the offseason, it just really feels like they need to hit on that. And if they don't hit on him, how do you look at them dispersing the money? Because, yeah, he's a lot, right? That's a high per annum. So they were willing to go there with Verlander, they were willing to go there with, or they seem to be willing to go into that range with Nimmo. They've got some money to burn. Where do you think they pivot if they miss on him? So let's say let's say the Giants sign him, yeah. and so then the Jays at that point have to adjust. So to me, they've got to find a way to get pitching regardless. So I'm not like there's there's a lot out there, uh, or there's there's a lot that's that's flying off the shelves right now. I was gonna say um, there's a lot out there. Can you tell me who those guys are? Because I keep looking let's at the listing. Taiwan Walk. I see former Blue Jays that they're like we don't. These are guys we liked on cheap deals, but not on expensive ones. Yeah, it, right. So let's say let's say they land Stripling. Let's say they just yeah. keep it simple on the pitching and they bring Stripling back, and it's forty. I don't know, forty-two over three. Okay, because okay. I can the live with that. So yeah, that's fine. So then that's that's your pitcher. Then. Outfield wise, I mean Conforto. I know he missed the year with shoulder surgery. He does have a lifetime 824 OPS, and he is like 29, 30 years old. So yeah. I'm kind of intrigued by that. I think if you do that, you also need a second outfielder. So is that Kevin Kiermaier? You know, like is is that uh, Michael Brantley? I think you need a second outfielder. If so it's Kevin Kiermaier, I'm gonna be pissed off, Ben. I that is not in yeah. like no, thank you. <laughs> it's like I he's was, a good major league player, though. Sure, I just I was. I kind of like the lottery ticket bad idea more than I like the like another defensive guy who can't. Yeah, I, I'm not the Kiermaier thing interests me to see. I I'm way more into the idea of bringing in. How old is Brantley now? He's forty. Is he thirty nine? <laughs> I think he's thirty five. Oh, 
whatever. He's baseball. He's he's like body forty three. Like he's yeah. he is old. Yeah. He, uh, Jobo tells me he is thirty five. You're right. Sorry to Michael Brantley. You're my age, but I don't care. You're Ennis's age, man. Like you're you're breaking down. Like that's just that's not happening for me. I <laughs> I I don't know how they keep him healthy, but I still love the idea of like good clubhouse guy who can step up in a big moment if he is healthy and can hit more than I like. Kiermaier. I just, oof, that's yeah. a weird one to me. Sorry, yeah, keep Br- going. Brantley really would would hit well, and I yeah. like, by the way, you just snuck in a little shade of Ben Ennis. Yeah, of I've actually done that like three times today. Yeah. <laughs> so, very, yes. very true to form. Very yeah, true to form. Thank you. But, um, yeah, that's, um, yeah, I, I think, so then they ha- they have to do that, and then, you know, is there also a trade with a catcher in that scenario? Do they go out, and I've had some people just like speculating here, but, you know, if they do go at the back of the rotation, and try to add more of a high floor piece. And I mean, that's a school of thought. You talk to Blue Jays people here. There's a real school of thought that like they do need to find some stability for the rotation as opposed to, you know, maxing out on upside with a Heaney um, as much as they did like Heaney. And then here's, here's the other thing. If you get that high floor starting pitcher, do you then do something different bullpen-wise? And does that allow you then to maybe prioritize or pursue some bullpen help that's a bit more high end. So there's still a lot of possibilities here for the Jays. And look, like they they know what the Yankees did this morning. They need yeah. to go out there and add in a meaningful way. And I don't think there's any doubt that they will attempt to do that and that they will sign players. And then it's a question of are those players good? Yeah, it's they're in a weird spot where you can like when you're a good team, you can do a variety of different things to improve. Like that's a good spot to be in. Um yeah. I just yeah, I, I am starting to get a little nervous. I, I won't lie. I thought that they were going to be a sneaky, splashy team coming into this. I, I had Passon on here, and when he mentioned that it's not option A for trading Bo Bichette, but it could be option C or B, I went, oh, my God. Could these guys do a little sneaky move? Could they be in on the career? And then I saw Trey Turner get $300 million, and I went, yeah, it's probably not going to happen. The one thing I am kind of curious about, um, before we go back into the pitching, I love talking baseball with you because we get to actually do you know outlandish stuff, but I couldn't help but think about what the Xander Bogarts market is and whether or not a team like the Blue Jays could convince him to play second base and do the Marcus Semien thing. Not as in a one-year deal, but just a short-term like Carlos Correa did. Hey, here's a ton of money for two years for you to play out of position. You think Bogarts would ever consider something like that? Like, what do you think his market is right now? Well, it's interesting, right? Because the shortstops start moving right now. That's so Turner, obviously, to Philly. And then let's say, you know, the, the Giants might be in on Correa or the Twins. So let's say those the are the Cubs, two Cubs, I thought likely. I saw was another team. Cubs, maybe. So they're probably, you know, going to be pushing hard for one of those guys now that Judge is, is gone. Um, and then... You know, Dansby Swanson, you see linked to the Cubs. Um, and then Bogarts, I don't know. Like, I don't see him going to the Diamondbacks. I don't see him going back to the Red Sox. That relationship has been frayed in the last little while. And, you know, at this point, there's probably a chance for a team to swoop in. But I also think that Bogarts' price is over $200 million. So, you know, if you're the Jays, you're trying to navigate. And I know Mark Shapiro said that the CBT is not an obstacle, but you know, they do have a lot of expensive players coming up, not only Bo and Vlad, but then you have Matt Chapman, who will be at the center of this this time next year when he's a free agent and presumably set for a $100 million plus deal in free agency. So it, it starts to get pretty complicated. But I think, you know, I was told early in the offseason that whether it's Verlander, Correa, Bogarts, like 
the Jays aren't necessarily going to be leading the discussion there, but they mm-hmm. can be in on the fringes. And so I wouldn't rule anything out there, but I think it would be better if, for the Blue Jays, it would be better if, you know, somehow some things fall apart and then Bogarts is sitting there in January with nothing as opposed to, you know, like we're not going to see the Jays sign him this week. That's there's zero percent no, chance. No, 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 no. Yeah, that, that's clear. Uh, that seems to be pretty clear. And if you're Bogarts, yeah, if you want two hundred million dollars and playing shortstop, then the Jays are probably not that spot. The case I'd be making if I was in the room with the Jays, they bring me in and I'm sitting there with the brass, and they're saying <laughs> yeah. we have hundred and twenty million dollars for Nimmo. I would be saying we need to find more money and go after Xander Bogarts and try to convince him to play second base if his options don't aren't there. Yeah, you, like you just said, you can't lead the conversation for him. You can't be the number one pursuer. But there are a couple things. One is I like the idea of pitching to him, hey, uh, you get to play the Red Sox and, and you get to try to screw them over. And we know that you're an AL East guy and look how well this worked out, I guess, ish for Semyon when he was properly slotted. Clutch guy, good bat. Fits right in, be plus defense all of a sudden at second base. And then you have an option of, they play Bo a lot, so it's hard to kind of sell him on the idea that he fills in there or whatever. But yeah, if you do decide down the line, if you're the Jays, this, the extra good thing about that is if the shortstop market picks up and they don't feel like they can re-sign Bo Bichette, my contention has always been, you can't just let Bo walk for nothing. Like you have to find a trade partner for Bo Bichette and turn him into other pieces that help you win in the future. You're the, you're the Toronto Blue Jays. You you can't do the own rental thing that the Leafs do like a salary cap league. You've, you've got to move him at some point. Then you do have Xander Bogarts there, and all of a sudden it just it's easy to shuffle him over to shortstop and say, yeah, we're fine there. We can find a second baseman, whatever the hell they want. I, I, just, I would look at Xander Bogarts as a bit more of a priority piece than I guess I thought about him as when the offseason started and my stupid brain thought they actually had a 1% chance of getting Korea. Yeah, well, you know what? Like with with Bogarts, like he's probably on a Hall of Fame track. So, yeah. I think that's worth kind of keeping in mind. Whereas, like Brandon Nimmo, he's a good player. He's having a good stretch in his career. He's not going to Cooperstown. You know, neither is, is Carlos Rodon in all likelihood, right? These are players who times their walk years really well. They're going to do well for themselves. But I think with Bogarts, like it's not like he had some massive walk year. He's just been really, really good every single year for the last like nine, 10 seasons and probably will be good again for the next six or seven seasons. And guys who do that tend to be hall of famers. So, you know, that's, that's something that I think even if he's somehow not viewed as the splashiest acquisition, whoever gets him, I think is probably going to be very happy with someone who's, you know, his hit tool is exceptional. He plays shortstop. He's got power. He clearly is, you know, a guy who, who's, you know, professionalism is, is beyond question at this point. So I think that you're looking at a, at a player who should be very appealing. And I'm almost kind of surprised that the, the market there isn't viewed on the same level as a Turner or a Correa um, mm. because, because Bogarts is still 29, 30 years old and he's, he's an excellent player. I also love the idea of getting a guy who is scorned by a big market team. Right. There, there just is, again, I have narrative brain. I accept that I have narrative brain, but that's just something I believe in. If you're the Boston Red Sox and you wouldn't give him money, um, and then he walks down the street and takes it from someone else, I, I do this thing called the Jared Sullinger test, right? And it's, hey, ask fans of the opposing fan base or the, the, where the player came from. Ask their fans what they think of that guy. And 
Red Sox fans love Bogarts. <laughs> like they yeah. adore him. They desperately want him back. They're pissed off at the way that the situation is playing out. And yeah, I just, I love the idea of the team getting it wrong with Mookie. And I love the idea of them getting it especially wrong with him and letting him walk for nothing. Okay. So the other guy that we didn't talk about is um, persona non grata when it comes to the Blue Jays fan base right now. And that's Brian Reynolds. Um, since when does he suck? Because that was a revelation to me that he just sucks. As <laughs> Everyone on Twitter has informed me that he's not an option due to sucking at baseball. Yeah, I mean, that's not the way I would frame it. Yeah. <laughs> I would think that, um, you know, and it's, yeah, it's a good reminder too. Like, the closer you look at players, for the most part, you're going to find things about them that are, you know, let's say imperfections. Yeah. But it's just not everyone hits 62 homers in their walk here, right? Uh-huh. And even then, people are going to find things with Aaron Judge that they're like, you know, that they can pick at. And it's like, sometimes let's focus on the things that these players can actually do. And then you're going to end up better off. Brian Reynolds will be great on the blue chase. He's a very, very good player. He hits at a well above average rate. He's still got three years before free agency and he might not be Willie Mays, but he's a good enough outfielder who can play some center field for you, depending on the year, depending on the metrics. So yes, he would be a great fit now because the pirates of Henry Davis uh, you know, and, and other catchers in the system. It's not the clearest fit for the Jays with respect to their catchers. I don't think that's probably something that gets done with the Blue Jays because the Pirates, in all likelihood, as their friend JP reported, you know, the Pirates would probably need to see a Tiedemann going back or an Arelvis Martinez. Now, personally, I would do Arelvis for Brian Reynolds straight up and not think twice about it, but that might not be the way that the people look at it internally. So, you know, those are some those are some some interesting considerations um, for for the Jays and and, uh, and and other teams. But to me, Brian Reynolds is a very good player, and I, I think if you're the Jays, um, catchers or not, you should be prepared to give up a lot for him because he would make them better in 2023. Okay, so what do you make of the defensive numbers, though? Because it's it's a pretty intense swing from year to year, him being a plus defender to a negative defender. Yeah, I mean, to me, I'm generally going to assume that outfielders as they get closer to 30 and past 30 are not going to be as good. Um, that's same thing with shortstops, right? You don't see shortstops playing that position after the age of about 33. You don't see center fielders excelling with the possible exception of someone like Kiermaier or JBJ. Like once they get into their early thirties, it just doesn't happen. So I would expect that Reynolds will continue to decline defensively to some extent, but at the same time, players can have career years defensively. They can have off years defensively and they can bounce back just in the same way that they can offensively. So those skills that made him a very, very good center fielder in 2021 have not disappeared entirely. And, you know, without having gone through the video of every play he made this year, I just, I wouldn't be that worried about his ability to contribute defensively because, you know, again, like you just need someone who can, who can help you. Um, You know, if we're talking about Michael Brantley on one hand or Kevin Kiermaier, like you don't need someone who's perfect. You need someone who can play the position 120 times a year and Mm. hit really well. And if you get that, then you, I mean, that's still really helpful. Mm. Yeah. It feels like there's a lot of at least variety when it comes to what the Jays could do with the outfield. I'm feeling less that way about the starting pitching though. So you, you mentioned it, how, Hey, maybe they go back to stripling. Maybe they sign him just the, the other options. It's, it's, you said it, Taiwan Walker and um, there's, 
I, I believe Noah Syndergaard is still a free agent. So there's guys that the Blue Jays have been linked to before. They are a franchise who just doesn't seem to let it go with pieces that they pursue. So maybe maybe Syndergaard is a target for them. But yeah, what names are you hearing that the Jays could end up signing in free agency? And do you think that do you think that they'll end up actually being in the trade market for somebody else if they decide to go a little bit more high upside? Or or is this just, you know, they're going to go with the two guys they have, hope Barrios bounces back, and then try to find a, a few floor pieces to give them some depth? Yeah, they have to add something. Yeah. And, you know, at this point, there's not much out there in trade from what team executives have told me. I uh-huh. don't see a lot out there. Um, it's tricky. I Maybe they're in on Syndergaard. If they are, the people I've spoken to have not gotten much on that so i don't get the impression that they're a leading suitor for Syndergaard by any stretch uh they've checked on senga uh, but he's more likely to sign with an american team and probably for a price that's pretty generous maybe 75 80 90 million for senga i don't think the jays are at the forefront of those talks tyone they had some interest in before he landed with the cubs but mm-hmm. obviously didn't get done bassett tied to a qualifying offer I'm under the impression that they've checked, but aren't a leading leading candidate there. Ovaldi, I don't have a much much of a read on whether they'd be in on Ovaldi strip. Obviously, they're they're in on Ross Stripling. Um, so you know you can kind of keep going down the list. Jose Quintana, someone who you know I've heard other people here at the winter meeting speculate, and you know this is maybe like informed speculation on their part that. They could see Quintana being a fit, but I haven't pinned that down enough to say, like, they're Mm. definitively in on him. But there's just, like, you know, I know I listed a bunch of names there, but that's kind of, there's not much beyond that. Like That's worrisome, dude. That that, That's not good. Like, you just listed a bunch of guys who aren't great, who they're not even really in on. (laughs) That's that's what I just interpreted that as. Yeah, fair. I mean, and like I said, I don't think they're in a Rodon right now. Yeah. Feels like they had a lot of eggs in the Heaney basket. Yeah, they wanted him. He would have been really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So why are they striking out then on some of these guys? Well, they offered more to Heaney. Yeah. I mean, at a certain point, if a guy wants to go to Texas, like you, you know, what what like I, I'm not sure. I understand like you have to make your best pitch, and sometimes that's the nature of free agency is you're not going to get guys even if you make a more compelling offer. I thought Heaney would have been a good fit. I still think they probably would have needed to add something more just given his volatility. Um, but this is like, they need a starting pitcher and there's no excuse for them at the end of this to say, Oh, well, you know, the prices were just too high. It was kind of a weak market. We didn't get something done. They absolutely have to get something done. Yeah. No question. And they will like, they're going to add a starting pitcher. I don't know who it is, but they, you know, it's too obvious. You can't, you can't try to compete in this division and have Ross Stripling at free agency, have the uncertainty that you do have with Barrios and with Kikuchi and with Mitch White, who underwhelmed after he was acquired. You can't go into the season like that. So they need to find something. And my full you know, expectation is that they will. I'd be very surprised if they don't. Dude, they, they didn't have enough starting pitching last year. There's no way that you could be counting on Kikuchi. That is a complete, yeah, maybe, you know, hopefully. Exactly. <laughs> but it's a sunk cost loss at this point. Um I forgot Mitch White existed until you just said his name uh, because I have zero thoughts about him as anything. I know my boy Blake Murphy loves him and thinks he's going to bounce back, but yeah, yeah, until I see something there, that's an whatever. <laughs> you know, that's no different than the way I thought about things like, well, the Jays have Trent Thornton, you know? Okay, yeah. that's good. That's fine that he's around the building, I guess. I'm not really leaning on that. Yeah, they lost Stripling, and 
you have to hedge your bet with Barrios. That that's the other part of this this equation is yeah that's not a guarantee at this point the way that he pitched last season. So yeah, to me it's not even just the one arm they need to acquire. They need to get more than the one. Which yeah. Anyway, um, I'm I'm starting to get a little nervous about that. I feel a little bit better after talking about the outfield uh, because I went yeah okay. That that's a little bit. Uh, uh, by the way, Quintana just went to the Mets. Bafo just told me so. That's another what option are- off the boards. It's another guy that the Blue Jays sort of kind of maybe <laughs> liked gone. So, yeah. Uh, man, Ross Stripling is just sitting there. He's ready. <laughs> he is ready. Oh, yeah. For the Blue Jays. Oh, look who comes crawling back. <laughs> just the Jays. He should have, like, a little doggy door that they need, that he asks uh, Shapiro and Atkins to crawl through to show up to the negotiation with him and make sure you push the big bag of money in first. Anyway, um, Ben Nicholson-Smith. I appreciate you making time. You're doing excellent work down there. Again, people, you know, make sure you go follow Ben because he's getting, uh, yeah, a ton of really great stuff down there. Make sure you go read him up on sportsnet.ca. I hope that we're talking soon and the next talk is, yeah, I don't know, a little bit more optimistic or that we're talking about actual signings that involve the Jays and not this whole thing of they were talking about that guy. (laughs) They talked about him. They didn't get him, but they, they were talking. Boy, did they ever talk and show interest. Anyway, Ben Nicholson-Smith, you're the man. Thanks for making time, Drew. You got it. Thanks, J.D. See you, pal. So I'm saying yesterday, title of the podcast was Blue Jays Bridesmaids. A lot of bridesmaid talk going on here. They're in around a lot of guys. Can't even get Senga. Oh, I don't care about or know anything. I couldn't. He could walk in this room right now, sit down across from me, and I would have no idea who he is. So here's where I'm landing after this. I still feel the same way I do about this team and needing to use assets to acquire multiple things. They've got to get stuff done in free agency. And yeah, okay, they're going. This is the weird thing. People go, they're going to get somebody, right? Hey, they're going to get somebody. Yeah, but they, who cares if it's just somebody? You want another Kikuchi in the building? You want to spend more money on that? Because your options are starting to get pretty limited. At least Kikuchi, and it was only half of a season, then he fell apart. But he made an all-star team. There's no dudes out there that are quite like that anymore. They have Ross Stripling. And then after that, it's Taiwan Walker. They don't seem to be in on Syndergaard, nor do I really want them to be. Because Syndergaard sort of, yeah, not, not interested. Go look at the list of free agent starting pitchers. There's a reason why they were desperate for an Andrew Heaney type. This is what I was talking about off the top of the show. Is how you might not love an option, but if they're the organization's first choice, that likely means you are getting a worse option than the guy that people feared and said that's not enough. The outfield, you feel a little bit better about because there's an, there's an obvious trade partner with the Cardinals. There are some lottery tickets still available for fourth outfielders. And while that was a little discouraging when it came to maybe their prospects at landing Brendan Nimmo, because I think that before talking to Ben, I still, I felt like with the Yankees out of it, re-signing Aaron judge that the Jays went back to the top of the pile for Nimmo. And maybe that's not actually the case. Um, but still there are options there either through the trade market or through free agency you can figure out or cobble together a little bit of a decent outfield. I'm not sure about the pitching. The pitching has been wildly overlooked. The other part of the pitching too, I didn't even get to it with Benny is what are these? So these guys are set with the bullpen. They added one guy who didn't pitch in the postseason for the Mariners at the expense of Teoscar Hernandez and go, yeah, it's cool. 
Still, we have no velo out of here other than our closer. But other than that, we feel as though these guys who are all going to be the same version of splitter or sinker, slider, that this is going to be the path forward to success. All right, fine. Also, that was a little bit more encouraging about Brian Reynolds in case the Blue Jays make that trade because, yeah, I would have been in shambles based on the way that the nerds broke him down over the last couple of days. Boy, that was a tough one. Anyways, let's take a quick break. Let's come back. And I want to talk a little bit about the Andrew Luck story and what we missed. I don't think people are going to really love what I have to say about it. Next. Sportsnet 590, The Fan. All right, Jobo, what did we miss? The Andrew Luck article you mentioned before the break yep. um, from Seth Wickersham, ESPN. Uh-huh. The whole story of his journey as a quarterback and how mm-hmm. he was trying to find out who he was without he broke being a silence. quarterback. Yeah. yeah, broke the silence. Um, we both read it. A lot of people read it. What did you, what did you get from it? Okay. <laughs> so what I got from it, mm. way too long. Didn't need... It was pretty long for two days. (laughs) It was, it was was pretty long. (laughs) I get Wickersham. This just, this wasn't Belichick. The last time I remember a Wickersham piece where he went, holy crap, this is going to be a big Wickersham was the Belichick Brady breakup preview. And then he did all the shows and that was an interesting compelling. That one was a book I couldn't put down. This one I kept eyes glossing over and going, where, where was I in this thing? Okay. There's, this is going to get good at some point. (laughs) This is going to, Get juicy. I'm never going to criticize an athlete who walks away because they're hurt. It's your body. Um, you're feeling pain to that degree and you lose it, then don't go out there because mm. you... I think that's got to be very scary when you don't feel 100% and you keep pushing through injuries. I'm never going to say Andrew Luck isn't tough because that's a joke. This, that's not how I felt. That's not the controversial thing to me. I just thought this was a very self-indulgent exercise. And yeah, it's about Andrew Luck, but there's one line in the piece where they go and his wife said, Andrew, how can one person talk about themselves so much? And then they both shared a laugh. And I went, that's how I felt, but no laugh about this piece. This is a guy who had a fairly privileged upbringing who's clearly a very cerebral guy who does a lot of deep thinking and has a lot of existential thoughts and thinks a lot about himself, which fine, because you're a quarterback and you're a stud who has got a very interesting dad and who's had a very interesting career path and was projected as a number one and uh, some people describe as one of the smartest athletes that's ever played the position. Um, went to Stanford, right? Dominated there, became a top prospect. There's another little clip in the piece about um, his former left tackle telling him that he needed to believe that he was God's gift because that's how you survive at the quarterback position. So that's all good. I'm just saying it was a lot of, and then this guy kept thinking, what am I other than a quarterback? And I went, dude, nobody cares outside of your house. Sorry, but yeah. I I didn't need to read 10,000 million words on how Andrew Luck would have thoughts about who he was as a person. 
Anyway, I just, this is my thing. I think that he got his, this is about the people you keep closest to you. Was he hurt? Yes. Was he in pain? Absolutely he was. But it seemed like this is a guy who was surrounded by his own thoughts, who was constantly thinking about himself, who was always thinking about, hey, what am I beyond this? And why is this so important to me? And what am I outside of being a pro athlete? And he got in his head about it. And he had a wife who he started to grow distant from, who was probably going football is something that is driving us apart as he was having a kid. And then he was becoming a father. And then he was surrounded by some people in his life that were telling him like, hey, uh, we want you to be healthy and health, 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 health. And football started to become a little secondary. I just, I don't think it's that interesting of a story. I, don't, I really don't. I think it's fascinating that someone walks away from being that guy, especially given the trajectory he was on. It's such a rare thing that we feel like it has to be fascinating. It has to be interesting. It's like, no, not really. He's just a different dude, always was, who was constantly thinking about himself outside of football because probably his whole life, everyone just measured him as a football player and how successful he was on the field, but he was smarter than your average bear. And he's... A, yeah, sure, he's a, he's a reflective guy that seems to be very clear in the piece, but he's also... And this is no shade because a lot of us are this, especially now, self-obsessed. And he became self-obsessed and some of the people around him told him, hey, maybe this isn't for you anymore. And he knew it, and he stepped away. Like, yeah. end of story. The only interesting piece, I can save you reading this entire thing. He regrets the timing of his retirement the way that he did it. And as he should, because looking back on it, it's super strange. Yeah. It's, it's really weird to think about that's how he retired, and that was the timing of his retirement. And, yeah, Colts fans are all just waiting, and there's some real optimism back, and he ends up getting booed by Colts fans. Fresh off the comeback player of the year. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, if I'm a Colts fan, it's always a huge what if. For the rest of the NFL, as good as Andrew Luck was and as great as he may have been because or before some of the injuries, and I heard McAfee talking about him yesterday because I was curious what he had to say as a guy who, you know, is Indianapolis right now. Mm-hmm. Um, like being reminded of just the the beating that guy took. Again, the beating is legit. Lacerated kidney. Yeah. How bad does that sound? How horrific does la- lacerated kidney? Don't ever want to know what that feels like. Torn yeah. labrum, being pain, having his shoulder just be in pain for years. Chronic pain, man, is no joke. So, like yeah. I said, that part of the equation, I have no issue with whatsoever. I just thought that this was a lot of, holy crap, more on what he thought about who he is as a man. Okay. (laughs) Not all of us want to be defined by our work. That's fair. A lot of people do view themselves as defined by their work. And a demanding field like the NFL being a professional football player, you have to be in it. You Mm -hmm. have to be immersed in it. You have to care about it. You're watching film. You're a quarterback. Your responsibilities extend beyond that. Sounded like to me he... He lost interest in just get more than just getting healthy. Mm-hmm. Well, you said it, uh, like a part in that article is like I fell out of love with the game. Yeah, and I'm yeah. sure that again the health had a lot to do with it. But I just I did not find the story that interesting. I thought it was really boring, and I thought it was self indulgent. And I went, oh, Andrew Luck, kind of a. I, I think people were tweeting like he's my hero, <laughs> and I went, what? You clearly fell asleep reading this. Like, okay. I, I did think it was He's long. so brave. I went, okay, yeah. He had <laughs> job security. He had $100, like $200 million in the bank, and he walked away from his job. What a brave man. 
I don't know. I just thought it was a little overstated. I'm going to fit every stereotype you think of me and Pete by saying that I thought it was interesting. <laughs> yeah, you thought it was brave. You guys, everything's brave. Too. Well, okay, I didn't think it was groundbreaking, so. but I was like, it's interesting to, you know, hear a story from a guy who walked away yeah, when he did. Like, it's... Sure. It was I, long, though. I will, like I will say I that. said, it's interesting to hear it. Just yeah. that could have been summarized much more quickly. True. And I like long-form journalism. I'm not complaining about reading. I love mm-hmm. long-form journalism, man. Wright Thompson is my... Like, that's... This, this is... I love reading long pieces that are compelling and interesting. One on Jerry Jones. Loved that. Jordan turning 50. Loved mm-hmm. that. Tiger Woods. Just about anything long-form on Tiger I find extremely compelling. This just was boring. It was just, okay, you're... Constantly thinking about yourself and who you are. And it feels like you're, yeah, you had a bit of an identity crisis and you were hurt all the time. End of story. Got it. See you. No regrets. What, you got some awesome? Well, it's just interesting compared to Tiger too, right? Because you and Ben were talking about it yesterday. This is a guy who has come back through every injury and clearly only defines himself as a golfer. So mm. to con- compare that to Luck, who was at the top of his craft too, I found that part interesting. Yeah, again, it's it's different because... We're so used to the guys being at the top of their field, being so unbelievably obsessed. We've come to know the Tom Brady's, right? The Tiger Woods, and this is it. Michael and this Jordan's. is a guy who kind of did flirt with greatness and who didn't seem overly invested at some point in becoming great. And that was it, is the injuries. We always thought it was just the injuries, and maybe that's part of this that gets unlocked for some people, but I just, I never did. I don't, like, yeah, the injuries were a part of it, but... He didn't want to go through it anymore. We're used to kind of that. People walking away because of pain. His was a little bit more deep than that. Mm-hmm. I just, again, I, I just didn't read it and go, wow, Andrew Luck is my hero. What a brave soul. What an interesting guy. I came away from it going, I'm actually less interested in Andrew Luck than I've ever been before. <laughs> okay. Like the <laughs> Titans firing their GM was more interesting because it felt like if you look at their track record, they've actually been pretty solid the last couple of years. Like, what have they made the playoffs four of six? They look like they're going to win the division again. Three-time division champs, baby. Yeah, three-time mm-hmm. division champs. They've done solid. and they. It just seems like they fired that GM because A.J. Brown came to town and kicked their ass. And, and dissed them. <laughs> their owner went, I'm mad about this. <laughs> what happened here? And he just got fired. I'm curious to see if more comes out of that. But, yeah, the Andrew Luck story. Sorry. That was boring. Credit to anybody who thought it was the bravest thing that ever happened, though. All right? Kudos to you and Pete. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I liked it. Pete's so offended that I said this. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> Pete was so... Pete was... What uh, was the video in the, the, the chat last yeah, night? Where... Pete, Pete, Pete's getting, like, his own segment, which is just, like, Pete's offensive news, where he's just going to talk about <laughs> Pete's things offensive. that, hurt, that, that makes it sound like Pete's offensive. No, no, no. It's, like, it's you know, Pete's, Pete's offended news. Yeah. Um, that would be the... Okay, we got to go, so I'm just going to rapid-fire this quickly. Just a couple of things in here that I want to get out of the way. Um, mm-hmm. Dallas being concerned about OBJ's ACL, I actually thought that was pretty compelling just because he was at the Mavericks game and the whole crowd was going, OBJ, OBJ. Yeah. And I went, all right, I actually like him as a secondary guy on a team that could use another dude, and Dallas seemed to be the best fit. Then he mm-hmm. goes and screws over the Giants a little bit. It creates a little bit of that rivalry. I love that. And I'm a, I'm a bit disappointed that yeah. if those medicals are the real deal, that won't be available to the January. That he won't be there. And I love that Shane Wright scored his first goal against the Habs, mm-hmm. and he gets the you disrespect it, except for they lost. Yeah, yeah, that's the <laughs> so, only, the only so, unfortunate part. Yeah, it's not as good. Anyway, subscribe to this podcast. Leave five stars. It really helps me out. Share it with people. That really helps me even more. And I'll talk to you tomorrow. Blake Murphy in studio for an hour.